Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. The Green Bay Packers have several holes to plug in the upcoming NFL draft. What which are the biggest ones? Welcome, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for taking a few minutes to join Rob Reichel and I for a special Green Bay Packers pre-draft podcast. Hello, Rob. Hello, Gary. How are we doing? Good. Are you uh, fully recovered from your exotic uh, vacation to Cabo? Yeah, it only takes about 15 minutes back in this wonderful state to to slap reality, uh, you know, kind of back into your lives, right, Gary? It, I woke up to an inch and a half of snow in, in my backyard today. So, um, <laughs> yep, we're, we're, a long, we're a long way from Cabo, not just distance-wise, but temperature-wise and, and everything else. And, 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 and we are full bore in a draft, which is seven days away. So here we go. Well, that's why I was wondering if the uh, good, good folks at Cabo were inundating you with draft questions. <laughs> you, you didn't have to deal with that, I would imagine. Yeah, I, I, I laid low and put on an NBA hat, Gary, instead of an NFL hat. <laughs> Talk about total anonymity. <laughs> wow. Anyways, we got a lot to talk about today, and I uh, have a ton of questions for you. I, I know you follow the draft as closely as anyone around here. And, uh, Rob, let's start out by analyzing what we think are the Packers' three biggest needs, okay? I mean, they, they got a bunch of them. They have more than three. But the ones that come to my mind almost immediately are, one, offensive tackle, two, an inside linebacker, and a little surprising here, three, a defensive end. How, how do you uh, perceive this? Those are definitely three of my top five, Gary, and, and you're right. They have more than just three. I mean – I guess a blessing for them is they do have 10 picks. They, they picked up three compensatory picks, Gary. So they'll, they'll be pretty armed going into this draft with the ability to do a lot of things. They, they've got 10 picks. They've got one in every round. Uh, and then they have two in the fourth, two in the fifth, two in the sixth. So um, if, you know, if, if Gutekunst wants to move up or down, he can, he can certainly do that. Um, Gary, I don't think without, without question, the number one need is offensive line. You know, whether that's a tackle or a guard, I think that's where they have to start. Um, and if the right guy is there for them at 29, or even if the right guy is there for them in the early 20s, don't be surprised to see Gutekunst maybe make a move, jump up and get him. Number two, Gary, to me, is cornerback. I know they're bringing Kevin King back. Uh, the top five guys in that secondary for them are going to be back. But I don't think anybody believes Kevin King is the long-term answer. He's back on a one-year deal. Um, he, he's, he's a stopgap at best to me, Gary, for the 2021 season, they can draft a young guy there, uh, from their perspective, hope to hit it and, and turn things over to him in 2022. When you wave goodbye to Kevin King, I think number three, Gary is, is like you said, I, I think defensive and they don't, they don't have a lot of help up front for Kenny Clark. They've got to get better there. You know, after Clark, you're looking what at a group of. Uh, of Lowry and Kiki and Lancaster, you know, Montrevious Adams left. Um, it, it, it's not a gifted group. The thing at defensive end, Gary, if, if, if they're going to go there, they've got to go there pretty quickly. It's, it, it's not a very good draft for D linemen and D ends in particular that 
you know, that they might have to use that 29th pick right away on a defensive lineman, which, which is fine if you get the right guy and a take team partner for Kenny Clark. But you might not find a whole lot of help in round, you know, two, three, four later in the draft if, if mm-hmm. you're counting on on that. So, I mean, it is interesting, Gary, for a team that's been 13 and three the last two years in back-to-back NFC title games, you know, we, we, we could certainly look and say, what, O-line, corner, defensive end. I think you're spot on with inside linebacker. I mean, they desperately need one there. But again, I don't think they particularly value that position to the level and the degree that a lot of people in the league do and a lot of teams in the league do and and Gary wide receivers still a need there too I know they led the league in in scoring in in 2020 but they've got a handful of guys entering the final year of a contract MVS is in this final year Devante's going into his final year Equinemia St. Brown is going to be in his final year Zard could be a restricted free agent a, a year from now um there's some guys there, Gary, you know, that, that, that they're going to lose in 12 months and, and they're going to have to start finding replacement pieces. Now, I don't think they're going to go ahead and do that, Gary, in round one, but I do think, you know, in those middle rounds, maybe on Friday night, which is day two of the draft, that's round two and three, um, they're going to have to go and, and land a wide receiver. And, and, and it's a really good year again, Gary, for wide receivers. So they can probably get one in, in you know, in round two or round three that, that helps pretty quickly. Um, Again, I think we you all thought that well, Rob. You know, I'm on his bandwagon. Oh, he's. I I, I might be so leading. I might be the head of that bandwagon. Yeah, I don't know how many people are on that bandwagon. <laughs> that, that 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 is that is one little dude. I mean, he, yeah, I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, supposedly at his pro day, he was uh, measured at five eight and three quarters, and uh, 155 pounds. Right. Yep. I heard the other day, and you might have heard this as well. They weighed him again, and he came in at 149 pounds. <laughs> oh my god! I didn't hear that second part. I know. Yeah, I, I mean, know Louisville lifted him like 165 during his, his playing days, and then he, everyone was a little surprised, you know how how he measured at, at his pro day. I mean, Gary, there's a handful of guys like that in, in this draft. It's uh, it, it, it's a little man's draft at, at wide receiver, right? Even going up right away to a top 10 pick probably in Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner from, from Alabama, was about a buck 70, I think yeah. 166 or something is what he weighed in at, right? Rondell Moore from from Purdue, the, the Tony kid from Florida is, you know, undersized, a, a, a little dude himself. I mean, there's – it's, you know, the, the majority of these top 10 wide receivers, I think Gary are going to wind up being slot guys, which, Hey, green Bay needs a slot guy, but you know, Gary green Bay's prototype and, and their model for wide receiver the last, you know, 20 years plus has been six foot two, 210 pounds, big, strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not whoop you in the, in the, in the 40 every every single time but but they want those guys in in the snow in january and things like that when when the weather turns turns nasty they haven't had a true slot gary since Cobb left town a couple years ago uh he's the smallest guy they've drafted in forever i mean he was he was about 510 180 185 i think when he came out of out of kentucky they used a two on him back in that 2011 draft but typically gary i mean they're they're looking for 6'2", six, 6'3", six, kind of guys, 2'10", 215, the MVSs, the St. Browns of the world. That's their model. That I mean, that's their prototype. So 
if they go against the grain this year on that, it's the perfect year to do it. Now I'd be a little surprised if they do, but, but they could probably get a plug and play slot guy right away in the top 50 or 60 picks, Gary. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, I, I don't know if you remember this because you're, you're such a young guy. Do you I remember wish. Steve Odom. Oh yeah. Remember how small he was times through the years. Yeah. That, that, that's the only guy I can remember that the Packers drafted. That was definitely, I mean, definitely undersized, but uh, this two, two at well, man, I, I don't know how he survives, but it's incredible. 100, 150 pounds. Uh, so he's obviously caught my uh, interest, but you know what? The one thing we've uh, learned from Brian Udekunz in his uh, three, three drafts is expect the unexpected. And uh, that was certainly <laughs> quite apparent last year when they, when they drafted Love and Dylan. But you and I are definitely on the same page on this with, with the offensive line. I mean, I would be absolutely shocked if they didn't pick an offensive lineman, either with their first pick or their second pick. Yeah, Gary, I mean, I would put the odds at over 50% too that the, that the first pick's going to be on the offensive line. And not just because it's a great need, Gary, I mean, for, for Green Bay right now, but it, it's a remarkably talented group. And, and again, somebody in that top 30, you know, is, is going to fall. You're, you're going to probably get six, seven, eight offensive linemen that go in, in round one. And, you know, maybe Gutekunst has a guy circled right now on his board. Let's just say it's, you know, Elijah Vera Tucker or whatever from USC. Maybe, mm-hmm. if it, maybe it's Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma state. Um, you know, somebody like that. Let's even say it's Christian Derisaw or something from Virginia tech, Gary. Okay, uh, uh, maybe Gutekunst has him labeled as a top 15 player, and that guy is sitting on the board at 22, 23, 24. I mean, history tells us Gutekunst is going to jump up there and grab that particular player. And, and, and there's going to be somebody like that in this draft that now, – now, if he stays put, Gary, I think he's going to be just fine. He'll get, he'll get an immediate starter at 29. You know, maybe it's Jalen Mayfield or somebody like that from – from Michigan, maybe it's Creed Humphrey, right? The center from Oklahoma who you could plug in and probably not miss a beat for the most part from Corey Lindsley and, and go that route. But, but if he really wants to make a play, you know, for what he believes is going to be a stout offensive lineman that he can really build this team around right up front with Jenkins and Bakhtiari over the next five, six years, somebody's going to be sitting there in those early twenties that he can jump up there and go and grab you know, maybe it cost him a third and a fourth or something like that. But again, he has the, he has the ammunition to do that. And, and this is a perfect year. I mean, Gary Green Bay doesn't need 10 draft picks. They don't need 10 players on this roster. They need quality, not quantity. And, th- and this is the perfect draft for him, I think, to address that offensive line. I mean, you look in the last two years, Gary, what they have lost up front, right? Brian Balaga, 13, 14 months ago, go goes out to the LA chargers. Corey Lindsley does the same thing, uh, you know, back here in the middle of March lane Taylor goes to Houston a week and a half ago. And I thought lane Taylor had a great chance to come back and be a starting guard next year for this team, mm-hmm. Gary. And then you throw in Ricky Wagner who had eight, nine, you know, not great by any means, but, but serviceable solid uh, outings for green Bay here in, in 2020. Um, and then you, then you combine Gary, the fact that Bakhtiari I mean, I, I can't imagine he's going to be on the field in week one. I, I mean, they're going to they're, they're bubble wrap him and, and, and give him all the time in the world necessary because 
he's going to be their left tackle for the next five, six, seven years. They're, they're not worried, Gary, about the Lions in week two or whatever it turns out to be with, with David Bakhtiari. So it, it, it's been a terrific outfit for them up front. But all of a sudden, you look, and there are, there are some big-time holes that they've got to go ahead and get fixed for the, for the start of the year. Um, without You look to the end of last year, Gary, right, without Lindsley now, without Bakhtiari, uh, without without Lane Taylor, who they didn't have anyways, but now also without Rick Wagner. I mean, you're down probably four of your top eight, four of your top nine. So mm-hmm. they've got to get some reinforcements up front uh, to go ahead and, and give Rodgers the protection he's going to need at the start of the season, Gary. I, I think eventually, you know, once Bakhtiari comes back, it's going to be a pretty darn good unit again. It'll be it'll be borderline dominant like it has been. But you might you might have to go the first two months of the season – without Bakhtiari and and now you're talking about Philly Turner then probably at left tackle or or maybe a draft pick um and then if Turner jumps over you've got to find somebody to play right tackle and are you moving El- Elton Jenkins to center and things like that there's a million questions right now Gary with that line but I think they're going to go ahead without question in round one and maybe even again on the second night Gary in round two or three and get some offensive line reinforcements and add some depth to that unit and and I think that's where they need to go, Gary. And I think the board's going to line up really well for them to find that particular guy uh, to potentially plug and play. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with your assessments here. You know, they're, they're picking 29th overall, and, and God only knows that they'll stay at 29. And we, we can talk about that more. But let, let's go on the assumption that they stay at 29 and they are looking for – an offensive lineman. Uh, a couple of guys that come to mind for me are, you know, if you're a Tucker from USC and uh, Jenkins from Oklahoma State, and then as you mentioned also, Darisaw from Virginia Tech. And uh, I've been talking to two scouts for the last week or so. And this is the crazy thing. He thinks one of those three guys could fall to the Packers. I mean, he, he you know, most of the mocks have those guys somewhere in the mid mid uh, first round maybe a little lower but uh he was convinced that one of them could fall and he thought in particular that Derisaw could fall to the Packers so something to keep an eye on but a guy that he also brought up and he's not getting a lot of love it's kind of kind of a mixed bag here but Alabama's Alex Leatherwood and uh I I just wonder if the Packers would roll a dice on a guy like that I mean He's big, he's powerful, he, he might be a nice piece. But as he pointed out, he said, this guy's all over the board. He said he talked to some people who had him uh, in the early 20s. He talked to some people that had him in the 40s. So, uh, again, I, I don't know if Gutekunst uh, would roll the dice on him or not, but uh, your thoughts? No, I think everything you say there, Gary, make, makes perfect sense. And, and, and you're right. It, it's all going to be, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And Brian Gutekun's board might look dramatically different, right, than, than the guy, you know, with from the Lions or the Bears or somebody sitting in the mid-20s. And, again, I agree. I think one of those elite offensive linemen or potentially elite, you know, who we think right now are going in, in, that, in that 12 to 18, you know, 15 to 20 kind of range could drop down. I'd be a little surprised on Darasaw. I mean, I, I think he's the first half of the first round kind of a player uh tucker's a guy you know from usc who who might who might be 
down a little bit. I think Kevin Jenkins from Oklahoma, you know, would, would make perfect sense for Green Bay. I mean, you're talking about a guy there, Gary, who can play who can play tackle or guard. He's 6'6", 317, 36 reps. I mean, he, he can come and lift your house right now, Gary. And then on top of that, he he ran the 40 and 496. I mean, he, he just blew scouts away. I mean, the, the biggest knock on him, on, on Jenkins, for example, is his arms are 32 and 7 eighths. I mean, he's got tiny arms. So um, he can get gobbled up sometimes by longer guys out on the edges or something like that. So, again, he's an athlete. He's strong. He's powerful. He, he's versatile. You can play him at tackle or guard. He's a guy, Gary, who I, I have circled right now as, as maybe one of four or five guys. I think I think have a great chance of going to Green Bay at nine and any, you know the the beauty right now, Gary, about Green Bay's offensive linemen that they are going to bring back is they are they are really versatile, right? Elton Jenkins can play a number of spots. Lucas Patrick can play guard or center. Billy Turner can play almost anywhere on that offensive line other than center. Um, Jenkins would fit that mold, Gary, right? He he can he can probably play right tackle immediately. You, you might even be able to, you know, if he comes in and shocks you in training camp, he might be your left tackle on opening day while they're getting uh, Bakhtiari rehab. He can probably go play left guard or right guard immediately for you as well. You know, the versatility up front is what the Packers love in those offensive mm-hmm. linemen. And and he's one of those guys, Gary, that that can go ahead and, and do that. Um, you know, some of those other guys you mentioned and, and dropping down a little bit, I think maybe on, on some boards, um, you know, Creed Humphrey's probably a plug and play center. Jalen Mayfield could probably from Michigan, a big, strong kid hasn't maybe lived up to all his potential, but, but a lot of guys love his upside and his athleticism. He's probably a plug and play guy immediately Gary at right tackle. And, you know, you mentioned Leatherwood Leatherwood's a guy I wrote about a couple of days ago at Forbes. And, and, and I think he, he's really an intriguing guy too. Uh, started on the right side, went to the left side, Gary. So again, he, he's totally versatile, big, strong, long-armed kid, 6'6", 315. I mean, they can probably even put 10 pounds on him if they want to. And Gary, even if, even if he doesn't pan out, at worst case scenario, he's probably going to be a borderline Pro Bowl guard if it, if it doesn't work for him at, at, at out, out of tackle, Leatherwood, that is. So again, I would say, Gary, 10 of the top 40 players in this draft are offensive linemen. And, and maybe even more, maybe a dozen. And so when you look at Green Bay and the number one need that they have far and away is on the offensive line. If they want to go ahead and get two in their first three picks or something like that, and I think the board's going to work really well for them that they'll be able to go ahead and do that and probably beef up that line for years to come. Yeah, you know, Rob, a couple of weeks ago, I happened to be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And uh, it was mere coincidence, but that was the same time that Alabama had their second pro day and, uh, you know, Mac Jones and their two wide receivers. I mean, they, they got a glut of prospects, obviously, but lo and behold, who else is in town? Brian Gutekunz. And uh, I, don't, I don't think he was there to see, uh, you know, Mac Jones or Waddle or Smith or, or any of these other guys. So you, you got to wonder, he, he, might, he must have some interest in, in some of those offensive linemen, you know, whether it's Leatherwood or, uh, you know, somebody else. But I, I thought that was somewhat interesting. Well, since Alabama, Gary, will have a, about 47 players drafted. It, it probably made <laughs> sense for, 
for the general manager to make his way down there. That's interesting. Were you able, were, did you give some consideration to trying to go to, to their pro day? That would have been fun. No, but I, this is, this is bizarre. Rob. I, I'm walking around the stadium and they have a massive stadium. I mean, it, it's bigger than camp Randall. I mean, it holds somewhere yeah. around 102,000, I think. Right. And uh, I run to this guy and I said hi to him, and he said, oh, do you need some help? And I said, no. I said, I'm just, you know, browsing here. And uh, lo and behold, it's a guy who attended UW-Lacrosse who now works for the University of Alabama. So we had uh, quite a nice conversation, but it's, it's crazy how you run into people at different places and have things in common. But uh, Yeah, but, it's a small world. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's look at the uh, inside linebacker spot. I mean – to me, at least on the surface, if the Packers again stay at 29, there, there's not going to be a lot of options. I mean, you know, the uh, flavor flavor of the month is even Collins of Tulsa. I mean, he would be a really nice addition. And then you're talking about uh, Jeremiah Uruso, Koromoa of Notre Dame. And uh, again, the, the two scouts I talked to said he thinks there's a chance both those guys could be there. And I was really surprised with uh, – Koromoa, because for months, everybody had him like, you know, a, a top 15, top 20 pick. But uh, for whatever reason, there, there's people that think uh, he could possibly slide. So now watch, he'll be a top 10 pick, right? <laughs> no doubt, right. Yeah, anybody else that comes to mind that uh, could fit into that uh, draft range? Well, you know, probably more as twos, Gary, would be like Nick Bolton from Missouri, mm-hmm. you know, Jamin Davis from Kentucky. Um, you know, like you said, Collins is kind of the flavor that a flavor of the day and certainly has picked up a lot of steam through this draft process. You know, Gary, I'll go on the record right now on this podcast and say, I would be stunned if they took an inside linebacker. I just, I don't think it's, it's a position they value greatly. I think they believe internally they can get by next year, you know, with, with, with probably Barnes and Martin and maybe a fifth round pick or something this year. Um, but Again, who knows? I mean, they yeah, no doubt about it. Right, right. I, I tend to agree with Packers philosophy. I mean, there's big, bigger needs on a football team than inside linebackers until I saw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past season. And right. I saw I saw what their inside linebackers did. And uh, I, I was converted. I, I think if you got a great rangy inside linebacker who can play physical man, he can make a, a, a world of a difference. Well, so on that note, Gary, let's go to Collins, right? Zayvon Collins, Tulsa. Yeah. Not a lot of people maybe listening right now to this podcast know much about him. Nobody knew who he was coming out of high school. I yeah. mean, he came from a little town of 3,500 people, you know, an hour outside of Tulsa. Nobody knew who he was because he was a high school safety and a high school quarterback. Every power five, Gary overlooked him. And and uh, this past year, Gary, he wins the Bronco Nagurski Award. He wins the Chuck Bednarik Award. Those go to the nation's best defender. He, you know, he was an All-American, yada, yada, yada. You know, his, his resume goes on and on forever. He's 260, Gary, and he runs a 465. Yeah. So you talk about big, long, strong, rangy, you know, fast, just can lay the wood in the middle there. You, They've got three extremely above average outside linebackers as a group right now, right? With the two Smiths and Gary, who's on the come. Yes. Um, 
if you can find one guy to play inside next to these guys, because let's, let's be honest, they're a nickel and dime the majority of the time. They're a nickel most of the time. They're in dime about as much as they're in base. Um, you're, you're not going to have two linebackers on the field very often. If Collins, for example, is their pick and they think he's a three down linebacker and they can play a lot of nickel and then play with Collins um, and Collins is even remotely close to a couple of those Tampa guys, Gary, that you just outlined, it could change. It could absolutely change how they play defense because there's, there's no fear most of the time when, when you're going against a Packer defense. I mean, this kid, again, back to Collins is, is just, he's a great athlete. You could probably play him inside or out Gary. I mean, you really could. I, I, you know, if green Bay takes them, they're going to obviously start them inside because they've, they've got those three really good, uh, you know, outside linebackers the way it is. But, but man, I've watched some tape of him, Gary, his burst to the football. He can chase plays down uh, from behind. He attacks in the hole. He'll blow up a blocking scheme. I think it'd be a heck of a pick if he's sitting there, Gary, at 29, if you want to, if you want to kind of reshape how you play defense and, 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 and maybe again, they haven't had anybody on that side of the ball that opponents fear in a, in a long, long time. Um, I, I think he's a dynamic prospect and, and he could, he could change a little bit how they, how they play football right now. I, I think they're soft. They get run on too often. He, he, he could certainly change that. He gives them, he gives them so much versatility. He'd give them so many options, Gary, in terms of where to put him, where to play him from, because his skill set is so large and wide. I think it'd be a great pick, but Gary, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll say it again. I don't, I don't think they go inside linebacker. Yeah, no, I, I, I tend to agree. Uh, one scout was kind enough to share, share with me some of the draft ranges with some of these guys. I and mean, we, we all know who are the top five, top 10 guys. I mean, that's, that's pretty easy to figure out. But when you get down to the latter half of the first round, there's a lot of options. But anyways, he had Davis in the 21 to 30 range. And then he had Collins from the 20 to 26 range. So according to this guy, Davis would be more likely to be available than Collins. So um, the other position I want to talk to you about is defensive end. Some, some guys that you know could figure in there. Again, I, I don't think it's a, a priority for the Packers as a defensive end, but um, there's some guys out there like Quiddy Pay of Michigan, Aziz Ojalari from Georgia, uh, Jason Owe. Is it Owe? Is that how it's pronounced from Penn State? I believe that's right. I only have to type it and spell it right, Gary. I <laughs> unfortunately don't have to go on the radio or, or TV and say it right, other than when we do these podcasts. I guess. And, and then uh, Joe Tryon from Oregon is getting some love. Uh, I, I saw a couple mocks where the, you know, they had Tryon going to the Packers. Um, again, I threw this question and I don't want to keep referring to the scout, but I asked him of the group, you know, with Pay, Ojolari, uh, Owe, who would you go after uh, Tryon? And he was uh, a big Owe fan. I mean, just a tremendous athlete. But, but the thing about it, about that guy, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he had a sack in his last season, and uh, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right on that, on that Gary. Now, you know, you, you've got to keep in mind when, you know, Green Bay's a 3-14, when, when, when they're drafting here, especially on the end, they want guys 280-plus, right? So mm -hmm. um, if, if, 
if, if, if we're talking about some of these, you know, beefed up or, or jacked up outside linebackers, you know, that, that you maybe foresee as, as a defensive end, some of these guys are going to have to add some weight. Um, when I just look at them in terms, Gary, of, of, of where they are now, weight-wise and what you can do with them, the guy that jumps off the page to me is, is Barmore from Alabama. Oh, um, interesting. As, 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 as the guy who might be there at 29, who would make sense uh, for them and for what they want to do. Christian Barmore is his name. He's a redshirt sophomore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't – yeah, I don't where's he from? Think going. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Exactly. He'll be, boy, isn't that crazy, Gary? I mean, I, we'll see how this all plays out, but th- there, there could be six Alabama guys in this first round, right? When you think it's the quarterback, the, the two wide receivers, the, the corner certains kid, right? Barmore yeah. has a chance that there'll be a lineman or two. I mean, it, if, if the right Harris. offensive line Gary, they, they could wind up with seven. I mean, it's, yeah. it's absolutely astonishing what Saban has done down there, you know, but, but Barmore is a guy, I mean, think about this, Gary, Barmore is going to be a first round draft pick, you know, or second, you know, he'll be in the top 40 picks. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't play in 2018. I mean, imagine that a kid like that comes to Wisconsin, right? He's playing 70 snaps the second he walks onto campus. He didn't play in 2018 in Alabama. He was in 2019 and and then last year he went absolutely bongos you know he's he's six six three ten um you know ten uh eight sacks last year gary ten tackles for loss i tape the final four every year and you know when we get down to that because there's usually going to be you know eight ten twelve prospects per team and i go back and i i watch those games gary as, as the draft gets closer he was absolutely unbelievable Far more than again, that is in, yeah. in Alabama's two playoff games, you know, first against Notre Dame and then against Ohio state in the national championship game. And then in that game against Ohio state, Gary, he had, I'm just looking at the stats here. He had a sack, two tackles for loss, five total tackles. And he was the defensive MVP of the game. Notre Dame, Gary, uh, Notre Dame game, a sack, five tackles in, in that one as well. He was, he was blowing things up up front. We, we've talked about this before. You know, they need a tag team partner of some sort at some point in time, right, for Clark up front, the Packers, yes. that is. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Dean Lowry's probably not that guy. We've seen enough of Dean Lowry by now. Nice, serviceable player, but probably should play 25 snaps a game. Uh, he made some progress last year. Um, is he enough to, you know, count on for 40-plus snaps a game? I don't know. I doubt it. At some point in time, Gary – you've got to reinvest and invest heavily on the defensive line. If that means a first round pick, it means a first round pick. Um, and that's why it's going to be fascinating who's sitting on the board because there are going to be four or five guys. I know for Gutekun sitting there at 29 that, you know, whether it's Barmore, whether it's a couple of these offensive linemen we've talked about, uh, you know, whether it's the, the, the Tulsa linebacker again, um, you know, Collins, some of these guys, Gary, are, are immediate starters in Green Bay. The, the second that Gutekunst drafts him. And he's going to have to say to himself, what is our greatest position in need? Because all these guys fill our needs, right? All these guys, and, and, and the fascinating part, Gary, is just how he's going to have all these guys graded, right? He might have a guy like Collins w- graded way higher than he does 
you know, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, right? Or Jalen mm-hmm. Mayfield from Michigan. And then it's a no-brainer. He says, all right, I've got Collins, you know, 10 spots higher than I do these offensive linemen. We're going to take the linebacker. Or he says that about Barmore. Or he says that about the offensive linemen. But the bottom line, Gary, is, um, you know, it, it's a pretty good year for Green Bay to be sitting down there at 29 uh, because the group of people that are going to fall into that range of picks are just what they need to keep them at or near the top of the NFC. It's, it's, it's not a year where down there at 29 are running backs, for example, or, or tight ends or safeties or something like that positions that the Packers already have solidified. It is a group that will fill a position of need and, and that should turn out to be a win-win I think for green Bay, Gary. One other position I want to touch on and. uh, I'm not sure. I think it's a, an exercise in futility because the Packers never draft a wide receiver. The last wide receiver receiver they took in the first round was Walker. I think what, 10 years ago, whatever it was. I don't even know. 2002 Gary. 18 years ago. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's the last time. I mean, that that to me is absolutely incredible. And uh, you know, the Gutekunst and the Packers took a lot of heat last year for passing on a wide receiver, but Again, there's going to be a bunch of wide receivers in that category or in that draft range. And uh, the two names that I keep hearing, though, that would likely or possibly be there are Tony of Florida and then Terrace Marshall of LSU. And and I find Marshall to be really, really intriguing. Uh, He's he's not as good as the kid that uh, went to Minnesota last year, but I'm not sure who is. I mean, he's a special player, but. Um, outside of those two guys, the guys I talked to, I mean, uh, Rashad Bateman of Minnesota, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, uh, these guys did not have them as late, uh, first round picks. They said they could possibly slide in, but they had them more as uh, second rounders. Again, uh, your take. No, I, I agree. I mean, history certainly shows us these little guys drop to the second round. And I know you, you, you look in a lot of places, Gary, and you see the Rondell Moores and, and the Tonys and, you know, even Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, some of these, these kind of guys that are undersized, right? 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", seventy, a buck 80, going late first round, going middle first round a lot of, in a lot of cases. You know, Rondell Moore's got a mid first round, a lo, you know, to the, the 20, 25th pick in the draft, a grade on him by a lot of people. And I could absolutely see him fall into, into round two, Gary. That, that's kind of what history shows us with these little guys that teams do not want to invest a first round pick in somebody that they're terrified from, from an injury standpoint. So, you know, Gary, I, I, I agree with you. I, I want to get into Marshall in a second here, because I, yeah. I think he, he's that guy, you know, the LSU kid who absolutely fits what green Bay looks for in wide receivers, right? Six, three, 200 pounds, et cetera, you know, that, that, that size. And, and he's about a four, four kid too. So that size speed ratio is, is absolutely what Gouda Kunst and, and dating all the way back to Ron Wolf is, is just what they look for. But let me, let me paint the scenario for you, Gary, that, that could be really interesting, right? Because I'm of the belief that these little wide receivers are going to fall in this draft. Uh-huh. And, and, and maybe, you know, they just, like I said, teams get terrified looking at a Devonte. Smith from Alabama at 166 pounds or a Rondell Moore at 180 or whatever and say, can I get 16 games out of this guy? I mean, think of the last little wide receiver the Packers had, right? Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb 
Cobb was dinged up all the time, especially in his later years in Green Bay. It's it's really tough in that league to survive at 185 pounds. But Gary, let, let me just paint a picture here of Devontae Smith from Alabama, the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, the most dynamic player in the country a year ago, I think by mm-hmm. a mile. I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by him. Um, you know, he, you and I couldn't catch him in a phone booth, Gary. Let's just say Devonte Smith, who I think most people right now believe is, you know, maybe a, somewhere between eight and 10, mm-hmm. eight and 12. Right. What if he's sitting there on the board, Gary at 20, do you jump up and get a guy like that? Can you imagine what he would do for your offense? working out of the slot if he's healthy Gary man I I'm just I'm just saying he he's the kind of guy who was so dynamic he reminds me of Marvin Harrison uh the the great great Indianapolis Colt in in terms of what what he does on the field and how he plays um now again Gary I think he's probably going to go seventh to the Lions or 12th to the Eagles or whatever it turns out to be I'm I'm painting a scenario here that I think is probably somewhat of an unrealistic expectation or an unrealistic scenario, but just, I mean, again, based on history, these guys don't like little wide receivers. And if, if a Smith, even a Jalen Waddle, right. Who's what five ten, one eighty 80 himself out of Alabama. If one of these guys drops, does Gutekunz pounce and, and, and get that first round wide receiver. It would be fascinating. If he stays at 29, Gary, like you said, I, Terrace Marshall from LSU is a guy I like a lot. I'm just looking again here at his measurable. 6'2 and 5'8 actually, so he's almost 6'3. He benched 20 reps at 225. He's already 205. He ran a 4'38 on his pro day, Gary. I mean, so size, speed, athleticism. He has all those things. And then more importantly, he has just what the Packers love. And, you know, and that's the fact he's a big bodied guy. Um, good, strong hands. Great route runner. Um, boy, Gary, he, he could be that guy who steps in um, if, if you stay at 29 and ends this 20-year drought almost of, of the Packers not taking a, a wide receiver in, in round one. Again, I think they have bigger needs on the roster. I think they have to go O-line early. They have to go D-line pretty quickly. I listed corner, Gary. I mean, they are set for 20. 20- 2021 if you're drafting a corner early it's it's really for 2022 marshall could step in and help you right away and like i said before gary you're looking at a group with mvs with st brown with Devonte, and i forgot about devin funches which he's easily easy to forget about i, I, I was gonna ask but you where, he, where does he fit into the equation for this team i i, I'm, I don't know that it, i don't know that any of us know that gary until we until we actually see the guy show up to something, which which because, hasn't happened yeah, yeah, yet have, since he signed. And, yeah, I mean, if they have high hopes for this guy, I, I can't yeah. see him wasting any picks, you know, on a, on a wide receiver. Well, but here's where I was going with that, Gary, on those wide receivers I just listed. They are all in the final year of their contract. Now they'll obviously resign Devontae Adams, right? That's a no-brainer. Right. right. But I but I would think of those other three, you know, St. Brown, MVS, and Funches at least two of them are gone on a year from now. So somewhere in this draft and somewhere in the 2022 draft, you better go ahead and find some young wide receivers to play with Rogers and then yeah, Jordan Love. Great, great um, and, you know, you're, so with the 10 picks, Gutekunst is going to have that potential. Um, I don't think round one is probably where he gets one in this draft, Gary. 
But I do think round two is, is certainly a high possibility. Um, and you mentioned a couple guys there. And maybe even a Marshall, you know, Terrace Marshall, for example, from LSU falls into that range of 40, 45, somewhere in there, you know, where he's, where he's still alive in the middle of the second round and you jump up and get him. Maybe Bateman from Minnesota's around, you know, the middle of the second round and, and you jump up and get him. Again, it's, it's, it's a pretty darn good year to, to get wide receivers. It's, they're little guys. They're slot guys, a lot of them. But, you know, Gutekunst is going to – He's I, Gary, I think he's got to take one in the first two days, right? Round one is Thursday night. Round two and three are Friday night. So somewhere in those first two days, the first three rounds, I think he's going to get a wide receiver. All right. Uh, I'll say he doesn't. Uh, I just okay. – and I, I know where you're coming from. But, again, punches uh, to me is the X factor. And uh, – if they believe that he can be one of their top three receivers, uh, you know, and, and to me, they, they have other needs, but uh, who, who, again, who knows? We're talking about Brian Gutekunst and, and I consider Gutekunst to be one of the best GMs in the NFL, especially when it comes to the draft. I mean, I, I know he came under a, a lot of criticism last year for the, for his top two picks, but man, I'll tell you what, I mean, overall, he, he I think he's done a really nice job and, I really am intrigued at how he's navigated the draft. I, I, don't you think like about 80% of GMs in the league just stand pat and they don't do anything? At least Gutekunst tries to make things happen, you know? Well, I, I think he's extremely aggressive. He's taken that Ron Wolf strategy and approach, Gary. And, and if there's somebody he wants, he's going to go up and get it. He's, he's moved mm-hmm. up in all three of these drafts, right? If, if right. we go and trace his history here, and, and that, to me, is, is why I think he's probably going to go up into those early 20s to get somebody he likes, Gary, that, that he's probably in love with because he's got 10 picks. And, again, they don't need 10 players on this roster. They need, they need two difference makers in, in 2021, and they need five guys to stick around, you know, for the length of the contract. Mm-hmm. They don't need 10 players in this draft. It's a, it's a pretty solid, deep roster, top to bottom. But if you're going to pass Tampa Bay – you know, you've got to get a couple difference makers right away. But, no, you're right, Gary. I mean, I, I look at 2018. They had the 14th pick. He went back to 27, traded back, picked up that first-round pick, and then he jumped back up to 18 to get Jair Alexander, right? So he hits a yeah. home run, and he, he probably did better with that pick than, than New Orleans did with the 14th pick. That's a defensive end named Marcus Davenport, who's, who's – I don't know if they're going to bring him back for a 50-year option after this season. He's, he's kind of been a disappointment for them. You go to 2019, Gary, you know, he starts with Rashawn Gary, who again, I, I think is going to turn out to be just fine. Um, and then he makes a move up. He goes from 30 to 21 to get Darnell Savage. Mm-hmm. And, and I think Savage has a couple of pro bowls in his future coming here in the next four or five years. And, and we saw how strong he closed last year. Then we look at 2020. He's sitting at 30 again. His quarterback is on the board at 26. He starts to hear rumblings that the Colts are going to work their way up there, get ahead of Green Bay, find the next guy to replace Phillip Rivers, and that guy would have been Jordan Love. So what does Brian Gutekunst do? He jumps up a handful of spots, goes from 30 to 26, and he gets his quarterback, Jordan Love. So, you know, whether he's right or wrong on that, we're going to find out. History is going to show us um, in the next five or six years. But I'm with you, Gary. He – he, he, he identifies prospects and players he likes, he wants, uh, he circles them, he, and, he, and he doesn't sit around and wait. Um, 
You know, he's not that guy, Gary, who's sitting around at bar time waiting for that last girl at the bar, <laughs> is he? He's it, it, it's nine thirty, and he identifies the what, what, the what are girl playing, at the Rob? bar that, 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 that he wants to go out with next Saturday night, and he Thanks. makes his move pretty darn quickly. So I I give him a lot of credit for that, Gary. That that he doesn't sit around and wait. He's aggressive, and again, I think most of what we just outlined there, his aggressiveness, he's been correct on, and. Um, about about the only one that's kind of a wait and see yet at this point in time is Jordan Love, and I'll tell you what, Gary, my God, if he hits it on Jordan Love, and they have you know forty straight years then of winning football and three three straight quarterbacks that play at an ex- extremely high level, then Brian Gutekunst is uh, you know he's going to be talked about in the same kind of you know kind of breath as as Ron Wolf and Ted Thompson. He'll probably have taken the team to a Super Bowl at some point. Yeah, I mean, Wolf was just, I mean, we could talk about Ron Wolf for days, but <laughs> I, I found him fascinating when it came to the draft. And um, do you remember, though, one time, and I, I can't think of the guy's name. He was a wide receiver from Florida State. And Wolf made a comment. He goes, Yeah, I'd basically give up my entire draft to get him. <laughs> Is that Peter Warren? Huh? Warwick, maybe, maybe Peter Warwick. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, because he was just I forget. Yeah, he, he was everybody's uh, favorite player that year. It seemed like, and and Wolf was you know enamored with him. And he goes, "That yeah, I would have gave up basically my whole draft to go get him." So Here, here's my favorite Ron Wolf draft story, Gary. Nin- 1997. Okay, the Packers had just won the Super Bowl. He he and the Raiders had kind of always done favors for each other. You know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it was a, it was an, a, even more of an old boys network back then. He obviously had a lot large background with, with the Raiders, but Ron Wolf traded a sixth round draft pick to Oakland for a seventh round draft pick. Yeah. <laughs> he went back <laughs> 20 spots in the draft. I think he went Gary from 193 to 213. He went back 20 spots <laughs> in the draft. Largely because I he, he must have owed Al Davis for, you know, whatever, some running back Al Davis threw him <laughs> at some point in time or, or whatever. But 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 that was the trade. Yeah. Ron yeah. Wolf gave up his six for a seventh. I mean, Ron, Ron Wolf was a fascinating general manager to watch and follow. I, I, I think Gary, you know, he in his 10 years there, he made 90 some odd trades. I mean, he made he made more than double the amount of trades of any other GM who was in the league during that period of time. It's it, it, you know, or any franchise did in that amount of time. It was, it was remarkable to watch him work because every single draft you knew he he was going up, down, up, down, up, down. I mean, he, he was going, he was going back and forth through the course of that draft. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. Well, I think that's where uh, ESPN made a major mistake. When, when Wolf decided to leave the Packers, ESPN just snapped him up. I mean, this guy doesn't care what he says, you know, I mean, he's just real blunt uh, just a fascinating guy to interview. And I, I, I thought he'd, he would have just been a hell of a guy to have on your draft coverage uh, if I was ESPN. Oh, I, I'm with you there. You know, and, and that was honesty about his own players. right yeah. here. I mean, that was, that, that was him being honest about, you know, George Teague screwing this up or Darren Sharper screwing that up or something like that. Everybody remembers the fart in the wind comment when they, when they lost lost the 97 Super Bowl. I mean, nobody was more honest or blunt than Ron Wolf. And now you put him on a TV where he's evaluating guys that he'll never have to, 
see in his own building, right? He's evaluating guys, the Eagles draft, right? Or the chiefs or the Bengals or something like that. You know, if, if he thinks a mis- it's a mistake, he's, he's going to light these guys up so that, no, you're, you're right. They missed the boat on that. I don't know if that's something Ron would have wanted to do um, or not. You remember he dabbled a little bit too, then just in, you know, kind of the, the, the freelance scouting or whatever for, for, yeah. for a couple different teams and, you know, down the road. But, um, but man, he's, he's, he's a, he's a, he's an all-timer. He's, he's a once in a lifetime guy. He's a, he's got that spot in the hall of fame and absolutely deserved it. He, he, he helped turn football around in green Bay. And man, I, I, I miss his honesty, Gary, because all these other guys right now, it's so much can quote nonsense. I mean, Ted didn't say anything forever. Gutekunst doesn't say a whole heck of a lot. I get it. That's the way the NFL these days that nobody wants to give anybody any secrets or tip their hand. But Ron Wolf, man, he was, he was an all timer. And uh, I don't think, I don't think at the time people appreciated exactly what they had in green Bay, but you appreciate things like that more and more as you go on. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I, I don't want to make this the uh, Ron Wolf podcast, but I remember the first time I talked to him, he was still with the jets and uh, I called him to gauge his interest in the uh, Packers GM job. And I asked him, I said, would you have any interest in the uh, Packers GM job? And his response was, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, he didn't, you know, sugarcoat or anything. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. That so, is I mean, uh, but anyways, yep. hey, getting back to Gutekunst, uh, as, as you alluded to uh, previously, he has moved around. He's traded his original number one picks three straight years. What do you think the odds are that he'll do it for the fourth straight year? Yeah, I think high, Gary. I think better than 50-50. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I think he'll move up at some point here in this draft. When, when you look what he's armed with, right? One, two, one, three, two fours, two fives, two sixes. He, he certainly has the ammunition. And, you know, Gary, up until a few, few years ago, you couldn't trade those compensatory picks. Um, you know, the, 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 the picks that teams are awarded uh, after they lose – free agents so in this in this particular year for example the Packers picked up uh, a few extra picks because they lost Brian Bolaga last year in free agency they lost Blake Martinez so the NFL puts together this formula and then they they reward you with draft picks so um, in, in past years Gary they would give you those picks but they, they weren't tradable now they are and and that gives these GMs a lot more flexibility to go ahead and bounce around a draft board I mean Brian Gutekunst like I said He's got a lot of ammo, man, with those with those ten picks and 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 really right five in the first four rounds, seven in the first five rounds, and I don't think he's going to go up dramatically, Gary. I mean, I don't think he's going from twenty nine to fourteen or anything like that. The mm-hmm. price of you know the price of playing poker in that game then is way too high. But it, I again, if if that offensive lineman that he really covets is sitting there at twenty three, he could go get him right if if let's say he's in love with Terrace Marshall, right. From LSU or, or right. Again, an inside linebacker or Barmore, the, the defensive end we touched on from Alabama, whoever the player is, if that guy is sitting there in the early to mid twenties, I would expect Gutekunz to jump up and get him. Last year he went from, from what? 30 to 30 to 26, I think to get mm-hmm. Jordan love. Yep. He went from 30 to 21 to get Darnell Savage. So really the numbers are pretty close. They're, they're, they're identical. If he, if he jumps up into that early to mid twenties point in time, he's going again, he's going this time from 29, he's gone from 30 the past couple of years. 
I, I, I think, I think the odds are better Gary than, than 50, 50. And my guess is it's offensive line and it's a guy he can start right away in day in, in week one. You know, uh, every NFL draft I find always intriguing, no matter where you're picking, there, there's so much uh, conjecture and it, it's, it's just fun to follow, but I think this could be one of the more crazier drafts in a long time, uh, especially with those quarterbacks being taken, you know, so early. I mean, there, there's going to be three coming right off the board and possibly four. And uh, after that, I, I think there's players that teams are going to be targeting. It, it wouldn't shock me if we had a rash of trades on day one. Oh, no question. And Gary, what you're going to see, I think, because we're probably talking five quarterbacks in the top 10, right? Let's, mm-hmm. let, let, let's say Lance is, is the fifth quarterback. Somebody out there is, is, is going to fall in love or, or is already in love with him and is going to come up from 15 or 20. I mean, the Bears are at 20. Gary, it wouldn't shock me if they wind up in the top 10. That, that coach and general manager are down to their last, down to their last strike, right? They're, they're, they're on life support there. They've, they've got to make a major play. I mean, they're, they're not going better than 500 with Andy Dalton, let's be honest. And, mm-hmm. and they're going to have to make a major play to, to save their jobs. You know, and if that means giving up that extra first, somebody in that top 10 is going to have all the power and control um, in, in, in that potential trade, Gary. Uh, the Patriots sitting at 15 obviously want to come up and find their next quarterback. There are a handful of teams like that. And, and Gary, when that happens, and, and we're going to see this, a lot of really good players are going to slide down the board. I mean, we're, we're talking, this is a potential draft where you might not see a defensive player taken until pick 10, pick 12, something like that. You know, whether that's, you know, certain from Alabama, whether that's the Penn state linebacker, whoever it turns out to be Gary, where people are going to ignore defense, I think for, you know, 10 to 12 picks and it's, you know, you're, you're going to see the four or five quarterbacks go right away. Two of those, two of those uh, wide receivers from, from Alabama chase from LSU. So, so three receivers probably in the top 10 or 12, and then a couple of offensive linemen, and it's going to push down a lot of really players. So no, I'm, I'm with you, Gary. There's, there's going to be a ton of activity. There's going to be a ton of trades. Um, You know, it's going to be virtual again for, for all these guys, which, you know, I mean, the, the, the commissioner won't be in his basement this year. He'll at least be at headquarters. But, um, you know, for, for media guys, just to give people a little uh, behind the scenes what, what we're doing, it's just going to be virtual calls again with, with, the, with the GM and, and probably the head coach and the player and stuff like that, which isn't, which isn't nearly as fun as getting him live in a locker room or one-on-one or something like that, Gary. But, um, you know, I, I think for the fans, it's, it's, it's a terrific time. It's exciting. The Packers are darn close, Gary, back-to-back 13-3s, and threes, back-to-back NFC Championship games. They're going to bring back 20 to 21 starters, however you want to look at them at this point in time. I, you know, I, I personally didn't consider Kirksey a starter because he, you know, he only played about 350, 400 snaps for him last year. So they're, they're bringing back a ton on both sides of the ball, Gary, and if, if they can hit a home run or two in this draft, you know, find another Jair Alexander, find another Elton Jenkins, um, you know, maybe find another Darnell Savage. There's certainly a chance they could catch and pass Tampa Bay this next season. Okay, Rob, we're, uh, we're heading to the finish line here and uh, we're going to have my favorite 
uh, aspect of this uh, podcast are parting shots. Uh, the floor is yours, Mr. Reichel. All right. So I would be remiss, Gary. I forgot to get this in in our last podcast. If I did not say a few nice words in a parting shot about Tremont Williams, who retired uh, this particular offseason, one of the absolute great rags to riches stories to me, Gary, in Packer history was number 38. He was a second-team All-State kid in Louisiana, Gary, coming out of high school. He got a full ride to Louisiana Tech, and after a year, he just decided to stop playing. I mean, he, he went to all the games as a student. He, he enjoyed himself, but as he was sitting in the crowd every single Saturday, he thought to himself, I want to be out there. So in, in the spring of 03, Gary, he went to their, the head coach at La Tech, who was Jack McNell back then, the old BC guy. And, uh, and, he, and he talked his way back onto the team, eventually earned a scholarship, but wasn't drafted. Um, wound up in Houston. Ted Thompson plucked him off. Houston's practice squad, uh, Gary, and he came to Green Bay. And I remember in the summer of 07, it was apparent right away that uh, this guy could play. And he made the roster. And by 2010, Gary, he was in the Pro Bowl. He retired a month and a half ago, number 38, with 38 interceptions in his career. Um, just, just a fascinating career. And Gary, as good as he was on the field, he was better off it. He was, he was as educational, interesting, fascinating of a guy that, that I've ever interviewed in that locker room. Gary, um, he had time for anyone and everyone at all points in time. There would be two, three media waves that would come at him through a practice or after a game or something like that. And, and I might get to him late and he might've already been talking for 40 minutes and I'd start talking to him and maybe PR would come over and say, Hey, he's already talked. Give him a break. Every single time Tremont would say, no, I'm good. I'll talk. And Gary, he was so unbelievably informative. Um, and I learned so much from talking to that guy. You know, he's probably in my top five for guys I've ever talked to in that locker room, Gary, just in terms of learning things about football, what went wrong on a play, why, you know, why this happened, why this, why this didn't happen, what should have happened, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I wish Tremont a ton of success in, in his second career. He's a Packer Hall of Famer, Gary. He's, he's, uh, he's one of the all-time good guys to come through Green Bay, and uh, I'm going to miss our time uh, chatting. Wow, very nice. Uh, that, that was really good, Rob. Um, yeah, I, I never really had many dealings with him, but I've heard nothing but good things about Tremont Williams. And uh, for you to put him in your top five all time, uh, that, that, that speaks volumes of what kind of player and uh, person he is. So, very nice. Yeah, I, I, mean, party, I mean, you know, Gary, my point there was top five all time, like good guys just to talk. Yes, to. yes, yeah. I'll, you had him ranked at Bart Starr as a player. I, <laughs> Anyways, I my, my parting shot uh, pertains yep. to the draft and uh, some of the things we touched on, but the Packers made it crystal clear in last year's draft that they are committed to the running game when they used a high draft pick, a second rounder to select running back A.J. Dillon, and the Packers reinforced their commitment to the running game in the recent free agency period when they shelled out big bucks for star running back Aaron Jones. In light of those developments, it only makes sense that the Packers focus on adding a couple of road graders 
to the offensive line in this draft. All-pro offense tackle David Bakhtiari is still recovering from ACL surgery. And who knows when he'll be able to return. The Packers also lost Pro Bowl center Corey Lindsley and the uh, Jettison right uh, offense tackle Rick Wagner. So it's simply apparent the Packers need help on the offensive, offensive line. I propose the Packers use at least two of their first three picks on offense alignment. I'm all in favor of Gutekunst moving up again in the draft for the fourth straight year and getting one of those versatile road graders, someone like Vera Tucker of Southern Cal or Tevin Jenkins of Oklahoma State, whom former GM Charlie Casserly of the NFL Network uh, recently said is as good or better than Packers uh, tackle Brian Balaga, who was a very, very good offensive tackle. And with their second uh, draft pick, which is going to be late in the second round as of now, you'll like this, Rob. I propose they select Quinn Miners of UW-Whitewater. What do you think? <laughs> I, I knew you were going there at some point in time. I didn't know. You know, I, I, I had to show my I had to show my alma mater some love, right? So, Abs, absolutely. So, so uh, hey. Miners is a young man who I mean, talk about incredible stories here. It's about talking about Tremont Williams. I mean, this guy wasn't even on the draft radar, you know, a couple months ago, and now he just keeps climbing up the ladder. And you know, the uh, expectation he'll be picked in uh, the late second round or early third round. And uh, he provides versatility. He can play center and he can play guard. And that obviously is a real plus. So this is the ideal time for the Packers to bolster their offensive line and reaffirm their commitment to the running game. Amen. Amen. Gary, you're, you're spot on. A year from now, when it's Jordan Love's show, they're going to be a run first operation. And this would yeah. make this would be the perfect time to load up on offensive linemen to go with Jones and Dylan. Yeah, no, said, my friend, I can't wait. Uh, where are you going to be on draft night? You're going to be working out of your home, or are you going to be some? Yeah, I'll be working. I'll be working out of my home. Hey, Gary, before we go, why don't we each make a prediction and see how it holds up, and we'll 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 readdress it in the next podcast. But let let's each make a pick who we think who we think Green Bay will take in round one. You know, I used the term exercise and futility earlier in the show. <laughs> Again, you know what? With, with, with a lot of general managers, you have a general idea. You have a clue as to who they're going to select. With Gutekunst, I have no idea. Like we were talking about his first draft where he traded down late in the first round. I was at a Bucks game, and I heard that. And I go, you got to be absolutely kidding. What is he doing? And then what, you know, a few minutes later, you find out he moved back up, you know? So uh, I, I love watching the draft, uh, especially with Gutekunst involved in it. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to say they're going to move up and get very uh, That'll be my pick. I'm sorry, Gary. You, you think they're going to get who? Vera Tucker from USC? Yeah, I, I think they're going to trade up and try to get Vera Tucker or Jenkins. And, and I'll go okay. with Vera Tucker. And, and I'm going to go with Jenkins, Gary. I think that's the guy he might in, internally have circled right now and that, that he wants. And, and maybe he can even get him at 29. But if, but if it's 24, 25, 26, and he starts getting nervous, I'm with you. He's going to make a move. 
he's going to pull the trigger and he'll jump up and he'll give up a third or whatever he needs to do to go up and, and get that player. But, but I, I'm going to guess the next time we talk, Tevin Jenkins is a Packer. Well, we're on the same page. It's an offensive lineman, right? Yep. I think far and away, it's the number one need. To- totally agree. So Mr. Rachel, always a pleasure. Thank you uh, for spending some time with us and uh, man, I'll tell you what, every show we do, you drop some uh, bombshells on me. It's like, how did he know that? <laughs> so uh, again, I-, I thought this was a really damn good, good show. Uh, we had a great time and I want to thank you, Rob, for uh, all your efforts. And uh, I also would like to thank all our listeners for uh, putting up with us for the past hour. All the best. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and WooflesPressBox.com.